Welcome to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. And my name is Nick. Today we will be discussing episode 8 of the show titled Trace Decay. We will not be discussing the next time on preview at the end of the show, but we will be spoiling everything through episode 8 of the series, so please pause and go catch up if you're not current with the show. You can find more of our episodes at westworld.fm. We're also Westworld FM on Twitter, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show. And share your thoughts on HBO's Westworld so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our pi- podcast, much like these people did. Uh, Quinn wrote into us on our Twitter and said, Couldn't agree more about Charlotte, character, actress, studied at the Pretty Little Liars School of the Arts, awesome otherwise. <laughs> uh, I sent that one to you via text and you laughed at it. Yeah, savage. Yeah, pretty pretty savage. But uh, we also got a tweet from our buddy Yoop. Uh, it's a tweet to a video that is about Anthony Hopkins' work on the show. Did you want, Did you end up watching the video? I did. I like it quite a bit. It's a very cool video. <laughs> it's a resounding like. <laughs> I like it quite a bit, too. I actually think that's the kind of web series I've been waiting for because yeah. we talked about this on the film nerds podcast a lot i would frequently talk about my love for when really good actors step into what should be paycheck roles and they don't just phone it in Mm -hmm. willie talked about this extensively in terms of villains yeah but i like to talk about it in bit roles yeah my favorite example is james earl jones in the sandlot Mm -hmm. i think we've talked about that performance oh yeah Yeah. definitely more than once john candy (laughs) and rookie of the year awesome There's a lot. They seem to revolve around comedy, too. Sometimes people step into these small roles, and they, yeah. and they really go for it. Yeah. Anyway. But, no, it's it's a great video. It dissects the conversation between Teresa Cullen and uh, Robert Ford in episode four. Uh, and it just kind of... At, the, it uh, at very, the farm or the plantation. Yeah, at the plantation. Yeah, yeah. And it very granularly dials through uh, Anthony Hopkins' performance. Yep. And it's very cool. So go to westworld.fm and click on this post. I'll have a link to it there. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, very awesome. So thank you, you for sending it. It's The video is called Westworld, What Makes Anthony Hopkins Great? Thank you. So, yes. And then uh, back to, uh, back to uh, Tessa Thompson. Uh-huh. We've got an email from Tom. Tom writes in saying, hello, nerds. Great job on the episode so far. A lot of the non-theory-based <laughs> discussions you have made me rethink each episode. Specifically for the last episode, Tremblay, I believe Nick said he didn't like Tess Thompson's character and her performance. I have a considerate, cr- considerable crush on her, see Dear White People and Creed, so it was very difficult for me to listen to her getting ripped apart. <laughs> However, hearing that made me reanalyze what I saw. I understand her power plays... Uh, in parentheses, he says, banging Hector, smoking Cullen's cigarettes, and laying around. But the execution of this power could have been a little better. She seems to find joy in overpowering her colleagues and has that smug smirk on her face when telling Cullen what time it is. Um, it reminded me of Negan and his behavior in The Walking Dead. These two shows are miles apart in terms of quality and themes. Uh, Tessa Thompson's character could have been more effective if she was more stern and professional. If she mirrored Anthony Hopkins' performance, there would be an awesome juxtaposition between the two powers. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> no, I think he agrees with you, though. He he mostly agrees with you, but I I I, can't, I don't know. Here, I understand what they were going for. I think it would have been 
very boring and boilerplate if she was just yes. very stately. No, I agree. Like I agree as well. If she had been kind of a contemporary of Teresa, it may it would have been a, probably a pretty dull scene. I get what they were going for. It just felt like it it came off a little more Jared Leto and less Heath Ledger. If that makes <laughs> sense. Like there was there was a certain amount of like lolcats to it that I just didn't appreciate. I think I think some of the problem not only it I don't know how much of it is her because I think she's very good. The stuff she was I've awesome in Creed. I'm really glad yeah. he he did say that, and I yeah. forgot to talk about that too. She was really 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 good in Creed. Yeah, and I can't and and it's not the material that's for sure. No, and I th- it's so not I like think, she's the one character they're like eh. yeah. <laughs> just write shit dialogue. Who cares? I think I think the way that it is is that it's. It's she's young and she's trying to show somebody older than her and somebody who we've seen in a position of power that she is more powerful than them. And so that feels really weird having a young person being the superior to this older person that has been a power on the show for us when we haven't even seen her at all before this. So it's kind of like I think I think it's a the the situation is a victim of circumstance. I think she's just like too there's too much uh built up around her so that any little crack in the in in her performance is going to lay waste to all of the work that they need to do around them so i think i think it's an interesting choice but i don't think they quite cracked how to portray what they wanted to you think we're we're unconsciously unsettled by watching a millennial like one up there superior from an older generation i think i think that's a i think there are a lot of people that feel that way of like why is this millennial here but then i i was listening to to uh another podcast or something we're talking about well living in san francisco you walk around and see all of these stupid millennials that are like in power at these dumb startups that make too much money for their own good so it's not like it's that far out of left field anymore but no, I think it just feels weird. I think we kind of all universally agree that it's we understand why we understand we understand what they're going for, and and as a result, we accept what we were presented because we we understand the intention and we understand the message is being conveyed. Obviously, yeah. like we said, we can't fault the material. We understand the relationship. the The scene got the point across. It just was, and you know what? And she's a lot better in in this episode. The, yeah, absolutely. So I think maybe it was just kind of a rough introduction or something, or, or maybe just the director didn't quite have enough time or something to kind of sculpt that into what it needed to be. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Uh, that's, this is really funny that this is the one thing that multiple people have emailed and, and tweeted about and like latched <laughs> on to. I mean, it's I'm, I'm glad that, you know, for once I'm not necessarily the unpopular opinion. No, I, yeah. And I don't think you are. I think there were people talking about it on the subreddit as well. But I, I was, kind of I was watching this week and I was like, okay, well, and she was, she was way better. Yeah. Like she was good. Yeah. I, I would, agree. I would say so. So, Anyway, uh, I'm glad to hear from from the guys. Yeah, well, Tom, Tom has a few more things here. He says, this show is special to me because science fiction is my favorite genre, and I'm studying computer science in college. There are countless class hours that I spend zoning out and thinking about the algorithms and logistics necessary to make Westworld possible. Thankfully, the writers keep the sci-fi soft and don't try to explain everything. This helps the world building, pun, uh, be more <laughs> mystifying and keeps me looking for anything that would attract a greyhound. I can only think of two shows that make the computer jargon effective: Silicon Valley and Halt and Catch Fire. Yes, everybody should watch Halt and Catch Fire. What about Mr. Robot? Maybe Tom has one. Mr. Robot. Mr. Mr. I think Mr. Robot does an okay job too, but I would be interested to hear what Tom thinks on that. Uh, He's seen. He's probably. He might have seen more of it than me because I've only seen a couple episodes. Okay. uh, that being said, I'm glad that Westworld is choosing the safe safe option. It turns out uh, to make the content more compelling. 
Here are some of my theories and predictions. I won't explain them because we don't need any more walls except for Matt Damon's. That's a joke to his Great Wall of China movie coming out. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Also, I don't read Reddit nor watch the next time on, so forgive me if the internet hive mind has debunked these. (laughs) Uh, The elusive board, quote-unquote, is made up of hosts designed by Ford. Yeah, maybe the what the what the board the just the board of oh 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 the board of directors yeah yeah gotcha maybe who knows uh he says elsie is dead as fuck more on that later yes uh cullen will be replaced with the host didn't happen this episode i don't think so anymore because he she's been presented as dead yeah. as of this episode but yeah. i i was totally there <laughs> uh, yeah week. i think we both were definitely yeah. thinking that she was being 3d printed in the basement yeah uh william is not the man in black is what he says interesting does he elaborate or just no he he didn't want to elaborate on it oh come on tom yeah, yeah well you gotta no, write that's in. fair i understand i understand <laughs> uh, but it, just a sentence with no alternative is really funny <laughs> there uh, i was reading some people today that still they're like they're like single timeline truthers and they oh think yeah. it's they think that these are all separate characters this is all happening concurrently and it's really it's, it's interesting it's yeah. a very in, more on that later. it's gonna and then there's the yeah the one <laughs> comment that you showed me about uh well will could be any will william's a very generic name or yeah he could he could say his name was bill and they'd be like he didn't say william <laughs> and the quote that made me laugh out loud was him saying my name is billiam <laughs> For some reason, that just got me so I started laughing at work. That's pretty good. Uh, A few more predictions from Tom. The center of the maze is achieving immortality, a.k.a. becoming one with the machines. See Mass Effect 3. Um, Possible, but maybe. I don't know. I think that's part of it, at least. Can you really really just see Mass Effect 3? Well, (laughs) no, but, you know. See transcendence? No, <laughs> you don't want to tell anybody to do that. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, Maeve learns that she can't get out into the real world, so she spreads her sentience to all other hosts. Hmm. It's pretty intriguing. I could see that. Hive mind. Yes. Maeve mind. Uh, and then after a greyhound catches and kills the cat, it looks for another cat. There's always another cat. Loops for humans, man. I, yeah, more loops, always loops, and then finally he says Stubbs is a double agent or not? Who knows? Question mark. So, Stubbs. Yeah, Stubbs is pretty good. Uh, well, uh, Tom also wants to know what we thought of Arrival, but you, I don't think you've seen it yet. I haven't. Um, no, I haven't had time to go. I might go this week. I'm hoping we can get the band back together at some point before the end of the year and talk about a few of the bigger things that we've missed. Yeah, that would on, be cool. So. Kind of a holiday uh, roundup. Yes. So, Tom, thank you for uh, for writing in. Uh, we appreciate your email very much. And then we do have another email from Nancy, but I'm going to read that one after we go through our episode. So, Okay. Thanks, Tom. Yes. We'll play a game together one of these days. Yes. Uh, so, on to the episode. I'm going to break it down like I have been doing the past two weeks. Uh, let's start with Dolores and William. Uh, I am going to stop a few of these short until we get to... The Man in Black, essentially, because there's a lot of cross-cutting with The Man in Black at the end of this episode. Yeah. So, Dolores and William, uh, they come across a bunch of dead confederados, and Dolores flashes back to see herself dead in the stream. She hears, come find me, which we presume is her bicameral mind, and she turns around and can't see William. More evidence to the multiple time frame theory. And then William and Dolores do find the old town which is Escalante, or they get to where uh, Dolores wants to be, 
and uh, she seems to recall this whole long sequence. We see a shot of her uh, back in her old clothes, walking through this town, seeing all these people around her. She sees Lawrence's daughter there, and then she ends up seeing this massacre happening around her. Uh, remarkably a lot like what we've seen um, Wyatt, Regarding in, Wyatt. In, in Teddy's flashbacks. And then uh, she seems to have t- trouble placing herself in her memories of, like, what's going on? When is this? When am I? Are you real? Um, and then finally they end up leaving, but then they go and run into Logan. Yes. Uh, so thoughts on, on this uh, particular week for William and Dolores? Uh, I am re-engaged with their story yeah. as of this week, and it might be because they only took up a few minutes of the episode so to speak like they're good and small but it, it felt like we had some forward momentum with their story yeah and uh we're we're getting tantalizingly close to some answers which is <clears throat> we've reached a, a point at you know, in the series in general right now where we see the finish line we know we're only two episodes away yeah and so we know there's just an info dump coming or we hope so. Well, and that's the thing is like, do is there an info dump or not? Like, are they going to leave stuff open or not? I think they'll leave some stuff open, but I yeah. think based on what we've been told by some of the the people involved in the show, that fans will walk away at the end of the season being satisfied with where they're at. Yeah, it's gonna take a, a lot. pretty good amount of stuff for me to to be satisfied, or or at least give me enough where I can fill some gaps. Yeah, rather than speculate. Speculation's fun, but it's kind of a it's it's kind of a sticky situation right now because we we know it's coming, and as a result, any prolonging just freaks me out because I'm like, what are these last two episodes going to be? Yeah. But I think we were given a lot of stuff to chew on in Dolores's scene. The uh, <laughs> her turning around and not seeing William, it did not even occur to me that that was a different time. Like I was just <laughs> like, that's weird. Where'd he go? Yeah. <laughs> like, I did not it to nest uh, quote unquote present day in the middle of a scene for like a shot and then go back to wh- what we were currently doing. Oh my God. I think that's that amazing. is that is the biggest thing that the single timeline truthers are not even thinking or considering. Yeah. They, they, and and I know because I was reading through my notes for episode four earlier and I got to the point where they talk about how someone in the control room notes that Dolores is off of her, her loop. I was like, oh, that deconfirms everything. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear me say that. Yeah. But it, upon rewatching that scene, you can see the the breath that they're giving themselves between these cuts where you're not seeing certain people in these cuts and it could be broken out into separate timelines. Well, yeah, we took because that was at the well, really. right? Yep. And you, and then I said, "What if, what if she's literally exactly retracing her steps, and she's in the same place?" And you went, "Yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah." That's right. That, I'm so glad you. Which episode was that? I episode was think, four. That was dissonance okay. theory. I was thinking about that earlier today. Thinking about that scene. Yeah, because because the. I didn't even think about that when she turns around and it's like the same. I like after that point but when I start right. when I hopped back on that train, I went back and rewatched the first three episodes again okay. and watched all of the scenes with Dolores. And there's very deliberate. You remember the scene where the gun disappears in her in her drawer mm-hmm. and stuff like that. There you can you can kind of clearly denote like if I if you go down and 
and download all of these and then you cut apart all of the Dolores scenes to then reorder in a proper proper chronological order or something I think it can be done because there's never anything they don't slip up there there's no anachronisms there's no points where you see William but you shouldn't Oh yeah, you, your case would have to be airtight. It's and, yeah, and, and I think it is. The Nolans are good at that, like yeah. we've, like we've established plenty of times. I noticed uh, today people were grabbing screen grabs of the little like half wall in the in the uh, Mexican in the, town, Mudas. the one that gets shot. Yeah, the guy gets shot through, and in another episode, you see a man in the background like patching it, patching up. it, and you see a rug draped over at another point. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, st- I, I'm really excited to go back. <clears throat> and look for all that kind of stuff yep. or to have the internet pointed out for me because yeah. I won't notice it. Anyway, the scene was really, really good. And uh, I think that's really funny. I didn't even think about that. Like I said, I was just engaged and like she turned around and I was like, huh, <laughs> what's she experiencing? Yeah. And obviously like I'm kind of at the point where almost everyone is an unreli- unreliable narrator at this point. Yeah. And I'm not really, I'm just kind of sitting there just with my eyes and my mouth open, just watching the TV. Like, hey. mm-hmm. And when it's all done, then I'll start to think about it. Yeah. Because for now, it's like, I feel like I'm I'm just being handed evidence. Mm-hmm. And it's not enough yet to do a ton with, <laughs> yeah. besides speculate, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, the town was really cool, though. That yeah, I think it's called Escalante. I've seen a few people write it as Escalante, so I don't know where that came from exactly. Oh, but Doesn't Teddy say that? Yeah, yeah yep yeah that's when he's talking about when he's flashing back and talking to it was probably when he was talking to ford after getting the the new storyline i think he's talking he says it to the man in black i think he says they got to get to escalante but they either have to go this way or there's a shortcut okay isn't that where they're ultimately heading yeah yep so that must be it yep and so it seems like it was once kind of a training ground for new hosts yeah i don't know that it, if it was necessarily purposefully used as a training ground or if it was just that's where they were doing that stuff i saw yeah i saw somebody refer to it as the beta or when westworld was in beta because we assume during that sequence it's when arnold is still around yep and we see scientists in lab coats openly out and engaging them and we see armistice we see armistice there without the the tattoo on her face we see mave there as well and we see the uh, we see Elon Musk's ex wife. Yeah, her name's Angela in the show, which I don't know where anybody got that from because they haven't said her name once. Sure. But I was calling her intake host because she's the one sure, that brought that's William good, in. But. Yeah, and we see her in two other places in this episode yep. we'll get to. Yeah. But I think that I, I think that was really cool, the idea that they would that maybe they're they were training sort of on site, almost like almost ushering them in and like kind of acclimating them to the world. I think that it was really cool to see the scientists hands on and Yeah. Like I was, I don't know, it was just really cool. Yeah. I really liked that. No, that was, it was very interesting. I, uh, I enjoyed that sequence quite a bit and I'm very interested to see what's going on. There's glimpses of, um, during the shootout, when she's seeing the shootout, you see glimpses of a figure behind a bunch of smoke and it looks like it could be Teddy. Teddy is there for the shootout when Dolores was there. Yeah. Oh, probably. So, so that's she kind probably of, killed him too. Yeah, I, who knows? This seems like this seems like the event when Ford, what Ford is was referring to when he said uh, Dolores was working with Arnold to help destroy the destroy park. the park. Yeah, it seems like Dolores. Dolores, for lack of better term, is Wyatt. Kind of how it seems. Yeah, that's kind of what it's heading towards. Or, or at the very least, that this new storyline is 
the Wyatt that that is being built is based on Dolores. Yeah, so uh, a a Wyatt as we've seen him so far, like Lemmy Kilmeister basically is kind of what he looks like. <laughs> uh, he could be real. Like that 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 host could have been made to fit the narrative, but the event is based on Dolores Dolores's rampage the, yeah. that she went on and doesn't uh, Ford says something to that effect. Uh, when he's talking about his new storyline, he says it's based in... It's rooted in truth. Yeah, in yeah truth, rooted. Yeah. I think that is what he said. Yeah, rooted in truth. Something like that. And uh, this seems like like Arnold somehow has Dol- Dolores try to bring the park down by either killing all the hosts and and herself. I don't know. It seems like she was the the weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... I know she's pretty deadly with a gun. Yeah. I've seen this. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't put the pieces together yet, but well, is that is Escalante? That's it's the town with the church, right? The burned down church. Yeah, the town with the church. That if we're to believe the three timelines that are going on, time frames. Excuse me. Thirty-five years ago, the town is built. We see the testing happening. Yes, that's the scene that she's flashing back to. Okay, and then thirty years ago, she's there with William. The steeple is the only thing poking out along with a few other rooftops in this. Yeah, big that was so plain. cool. Yeah. That was such a cool they just filled it in. Yep. So it just, yeah, they just dumped a bunch of The dirt steeple on didn't it. even burn to the ground, which is what I initially thought. They just f- literally turned it into like a landfill. Yeah. That's so cool. Yep. And then uh present day, it looked to me as if we get a very small glimpse of Dolores. Dolores kind of runs ahead of William and then it cuts to where we see her looking at the town right. in the new clothes. So I think that's got to be current day where Dolores is maybe all on her own retracing her steps. And the town has been excavated. Yes, by is, Ford. And is being prepped for its final role. Or in some, this new storyline. giant, line. you know, opus. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking without knowing it. So. Yeah. Good yeah. job extrapolating from my <laughs> brain. <laughs> You're welcome. Am I a host, so, Alex? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm a host right now, but. Does this does this look like anything? Did you create? Did you create me and everyone else to <laughs> to be on your podcast? to live to live out my <laughs> podcasting dreams? <laughs> Maybe. Oh boy, uh, I would have hoped that we'd be on a more successful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. We have good fans. My though. dreams can only go so far. Yeah. We're working. Uh, it's a beta, yeah. beta mode. Yes. No, that's so cool. This is uh, this is really awesome. I'm really I can't wait to see how this all shakes down like that town has a really cool vibe and it's mm-hmm. it's some shit went down there and I'm excited it, we're kind of definitely building to like a okay corral kind of situation there where I think it feels like a lot of parties are going to converge there yeah and some shit's going to happen there again and that's going to be so awesome yeah I mean it is a western we can't can't forget that although it's this giant sci-fi story at its root it's it's a western and yeah. that man what's a western without a a good old showdown in the middle of the town yeah Ugh. yeah we'll see let's do it we'll see what it is um then i think we can cut over to mave uh unless you have any other thoughts on dolores and william nah all right so mave um mave gets to meet the new clementine in this episode uh we get house of the rising sun on the player piano yep which was fun uh especially with like the time dilation that they kind of do on it to slow it down mm-hmm. and make it sound all strange that was cool um when Maeve wakes up in the hq she learns a few things uh she learns that host minds are different their memories are recalled perfectly while humans recall things hazily uh this is the title of the show haze uh 
trace decay. Mm -hmm. The idea that human memories kind of degrade over time. Whereas these people, the the host just kind of record it to their hard drive or whatever and then continue living life. But then if they are able to recall it using reveries, then they are apparently kind of reliving it. And that's kind of what's been happening to Maeve and potentially Dolores as well. Yeah, it actually, it's interesting how it takes over their motor function. Yeah. In, in most instances. Yeah. Like that's pretty wild. Um. We also learned that hosts have a uh, explosive charge in their spine to destroy them if they try to leave the park or act out or whatever. Or if they're s- smuggled out. Yeah. Um, so uh, reports of Colin's accidents kind of light, fi- uh, light a fire under Felix and Sylvester to take care of Maeve and get her out of there. She learns that she can kind of get new powers if she gets upgraded by a behavior machine and, and potentially be able to kind of rewrite other hosts and things like that. And then, um, so Felix and Sylvester take her to do that, and she gets upgraded. She also goes and stabs Sylvester, but then has Felix save him because they might need him later, which is brutal. That was nuts. <laughs> and then, uh, the final thing about Maeve before we get to Westworld HQ, I wanted to say she starts to recruit her army. We see her in Westworld changing narrative code on the fly just by speaking to people a lot like Ford seems to be able to do almost. Yeah. And then uh, she still continues flashing back to her previous build. Um, yeah. So, Maeve, before we get to any of the, the final scene stuff, uh, what do you think? OP. <laughs> She's a bit too OP. Please nerf <laughs> Ford. Um, uh, she... Felix, Felix has crossed the line now into that moron henchman that's in every movie the one that's working for the bad guy and knows then says, he's doing bad and then things. says you promised no one would get hurt and everyone <laughs> watching it goes yeah duh yeah like there's that character so often and he's he's the one you're so exhausted of and you're mm-hmm. like there's always that knucklehead who has good intentions or whatever but is clearly doing something bad and scary and it, against the advice of others yeah and then has that moment of regret and they say you promised nobody would get hurt no, yeah. Sylvester, yeah. now. I feel like they've gone back to this well one too many times. Yeah, I I was fine with, with Felix and Sylvester. I was like, well, what they're doing is dumb, but this is this just must how be how these characters are. Yeah. And now Felix has finally crossed that line. Like, okay, you obviously need to pull the plug because she will kill humans <laughs> to get... What she needs, and potentially I, I, everyone who works there, <laughs> and she's talking about building an army for Christ's sake. She like, even she even has a quote where he's when when he says, "I thought you weren't going to kill anybody." She says, "Oh, darling, you of all people should know how duplicitous I am." Yeah. <laughs> so for me, hit the explosion button. Yeah. Right now. Yes. Blow her up. Yeah. <laughs> Blow the torso in half. Explain what happened. Take your lashing. Yep. Because. She's gonna kill everybody. This, these, there's gonna be some violent ends to these yeah. violent delights going going down right here. And yeah, it's bad. If anything, he could no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to talk his way into a promotion and say, "Look what I did. I fixed it." But look what I can do. Yeah, Ford. Ford might no no gone. Ford might kill him gone and ball. replace him with a host. But yeah, no, I, no, it's I, uh, it's. Yeah, we know that. I mean, as far as where he's standing, I mean, at this point, no, 
no rational person can can possibly continue down this road and really like uh, people people are still kind of explaining it as he's clearly coming to see her as a human who should be pitied and and kind of uh who needs to be more respected than she is in her role kind of thing but to me it just kind of is like i don't know i feel like i feel like felix is probably smarter than that the whole situation is just a giant cry for help and cry for attention on felix's part yeah someone needs him yep for once yep and so he's and it's fulfilling it's fulfilling some desires in him to have a to have a, a beautiful woman need his help in order to it's kind of like dolores and william in a way yeah but it's just pathetic yeah like i i was i was okay with it before and i was like but Fe- see felix is he knows his position in the food chain he understands his role in the circle of life yeah and he accepts it and Felix is, I was now, I'm you mean uh, Sylvester. Does. Sylvester. Yeah. yeah. Did I say Felix? I'm sorry. Yeah. Sylvester. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm not on board with Felix anymore. By they, the way, they need to do something with this character, like kill him. The actor who plays Sylvester, uh, Ptolemy Slocum <laughs> did a, an AMA on Reddit today. And I saw he actually played the, bl- the bus driver in preacher. Oh, <laughs> it is him. Yeah, Linus is nice. his name. So I, I, I just I knew that I had seen his name somewhere before. That's funny. Yeah. So if you want to hear us talk about Linus, go listen to Gone to Texas. But I was just thinking yesterday. It was one of the very few notes I took in this episode that there must be a giant c- collection now of Sylvester side eye gifts available, <laughs> because in every episode there's a shot of him staring, and then he goes and just looks to the side at Felix without turning his head. Uh-huh. It happens in every episode. More than once, probably. This guy, there's got to be a wealth of them there. Just so many side eye instances. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's really all that we need to say about Maeve at the moment. Um, she's clearly preparing to escape. Wants to get out of there. Yeah, I really like Maeve, but at this point, I need her to. She's got to break away from she, Felix and Sylvester. She does. Yep. She needs to become self self reliant. And, and it seems I, like we're getting. Yeah, I think we're kind of yeah. there. As long as she stays in the park, that's the thing. Now, I think she, I think she needs to stay away from them. Yeah. Because if she dies and she goes back to the chop shop, they're probably gonna put her down. Yep. yep. So at this point, it's a survival game for her. Yep. Okay. And then now I want to break over to Westworld headquarters, which we've got stuff with Ford and uh, and Charlotte Hale and and Sizemore to talk about. So. Um, first off, we get Ford directing Bernard to erase Teresa from his personal life, essentially getting rid of notes and, and other stuff that she left around his hairs. place, hairs that are <laughs> in the bed. Um, we see Stubbs and Hale and Ford discussing Teresa's death, uh, which, uh, Ford also notes in that scene that he's going to automate most of the park's safety protocols, which I think maybe leaves a hole in defenses in my opinion, but we can maybe talk about that more later. Uh, Sizemore gets drafted by Hale uh, to assist her in her boardly duties as, since Colin is gone now. Uh, Ford finally wipes Bernard's memory, uh, which is when we see uh, Bernard asks if Ford had made him hurt anybody before. Ford says no, but we cut to Elsie being strangled by Bernard. And then uh, two other quick notes. Uh, Hale and Sizemore recruit Peter Abernathy for data smuggling purposes, which is exciting. Welcome back, Lewis Hertham. We missed Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And then uh, Stubbs confronts or comforts Bernard, and Bernard can't remember his relationship with Teresa, and Stubbs notices this, which I I put in parentheses like a telltale game. 
<laughs> Stubbs notices this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Stubbs notices Stubbs this. Stubbs won't thing. forget this. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Westworld HQ oh, stuff. Oh, my God. A Westworld Telltale game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, yes, what have, please. What have you done? <laughs> um, God, that would be really good. <laughs> That'd be scary good. So, a uh, few things to talk about. Uh, what, what, did, what did you think about this stuff up to this point? All that stuff? Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> uh, what else do you want to know? No. So so Bernard and Ford, we kind of get a little bit more like. I loved it. I loved that scene. Any, It's well documented at this point. Any, anything with full, with Ford is fried gold. Yeah. I'm into it. Pretty much. 100%. It does it for me. Uh. <laughs> and the, the dynamic between Ford and Bernard has. The relationship hasn't really changed, but it has so much now that we know. And now that Bernard knows. Like in that in that scene, he knows, and he's like struggling. He's like tr- just trying to process it, and it's amazing. Yeah, the watching those two, like, I, I, I'm I'm surprised the cameras in the room didn't just shut down from the <laughs> amount of acting. Like there was another comment that to I to think saw that hard Reddit. drives or film could contain that much acting and <laughs> and still be usable. Well, somebody somebody brought up the the quote about when when the man in black asked for it. If I cut you open, what am I going to find in you? And somebody just said all the scenery that he's been chewing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, <sighs> pretty good. But. See, he's not chewing the scenery. He's just man. Chewing the scenery to me implies like bad acting. Like well, you're just going. For, I, it's a really awesome joke, but chewing, I think chewing the scenery implies that the <laughs> rest of everything around him is not worth noticing. Essentially, yeah, I guess that's true. But no, it's uh, it's phenomenal those two, and I, I I really want to go back and rewatch that scene. Yeah, I should have because Bernard was heartbreaking the entire time. Well, we we get a, a few things that I wrote down. We get um. Ford talks about how he created Bernard to flesh out the host's emotions because human engineers weren't up to the task, which I think is very interesting. It's like Bernard exists to kind of notice people's emotions like he notices Teresa's in the pilot and just kind of figure out how humans process emotion and show it and things like that, which I thought was very interesting. I I would suppose most humans are, we're sort of, desensitized to it or to the point where we don't necessarily it's we take al- it's, it for granted it's almost like our own uh what's it called what trace decay yeah because part of the reason we can't recall memories is to to uh, it's kind of a priority I, th- I think situation where some memories you can recall really yeah. vividly because they're more important and the rest kind of get pushed to the back because you don't need your brain needs to concentrate on other things like keeping it breathing and stuff like that yeah and obviously the brain is complex enough where we could potentially be better at it some people obviously have way better memories some people have photographic memories and sort of things so the yeah. the, the mind is capable of handling it but for the most part we put it away because we just don't need it and <clears throat> i think that in that way our response to other human uh quirks and uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for gestures yeah gestures and like tells yeah like uh, we sometimes don't notice them and some people are obviously very perceptive at reading them like uh, and people are trained in that like police officers you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. people are trained to notice how people behave and in a way i think that that's maybe what ford means i almost said hopkins what ford means <laughs> is by not up to the task not that they're not willing to but they just can't do it in the way that a, a machine could interpret yeah 
And I think uh, that's really that's a really cool way of explaining why Bernard is so successful at what he does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also get a good Frankenstein quote out of mm-hmm. out of uh, out of Ford. The one man's life or death were but a small price to pay for the acquirement of knowledge which I th- uh, sought and the dominion I should acquire. So. There's been a lot of foreshadowing in the series, yeah. especially with Bernard. Yeah. Somebody pointed out a lot of his lines with Teresa. Absolutely. regards to uh, the hosts. Practicing. Practicing. They yep. talk amongst each other while nobody's there yep. to and her, practice. And her saying, are you practicing? Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm a little scared that this is foreshadowing that Bernard's going to kill Ford at some point. Yeah. Wait, I guess I shouldn't be scared of that, but I just I'm scared of this show without Ford. I think he's so good. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I kind of I kind of think Ford's got Ford has the, the you know in Iron Man three when there's all the Iron Men underneath <laughs> the the mansion. I think Ford's got a closet full of himself that can just he can just employ. <laughs> like even if he dies, just there's going to be machine Fords upload everywhere. his brain. Yeah, pretty the, much into the cloud. Yep. <laughs> then, that's what I'm hoping. That's how they keep Ford around. Or he's got LMDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life model. Yes, yeah. they're Ford life model decoys all over the, the place. The real Ford is is just always chilling in that basement. And there's <laughs> other Fords out there for Bernard to talk to. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yes. Um, An army of Anthony Hopkins fighting Maeve's army. Is that what <laughs> what it's going to be at the end? I hope so. The <laughs> <laughs> CGI come that far to make like a thousand Anthony Hopkins? I think so. It's not. You don't even have to do CGI. You just gotta do a couple, you know, green screen shots, and then just copy them a couple. He's times. just that good an actor. Yeah, hold on, let me duplicate. Please, myself real please quick. give us a thousand different performances <laughs> <laughs> in front of a green screen. <laughs> oh man, like that, like that Jean Claude Van Damme thing. <laughs> oh man, if Anthony Hopkins stood in front of a green screen and just acted out scenes for you to make your own film with, that'd be pretty good. Oh my god, that would be pretty good. They'd all win Oscars. <laughs> They'd, they wouldn't be able to print Oscars fast enough. That's true. Um, All right. We're getting a... So, yeah. A few other things that we can talk about. Oh, oh, uh, the, the one that was... I took three notes in this episode. Yeah. Actually, no. Just two notes. One of them was a Sylvester side-eye gift that must okay, be available. Good. So, the other one I talked about <laughs> was that uh, Bernard reminds me of uh, kind of Eternal Sunshine uh, in that he doesn't really want to lose wait uh, i'm thinking of Maeve later when she says she wants to hang on to her pain which well, is yeah. the line that bernard says bernard and in Dolores. relation to his son yeah and i think that Ber- i think in that moment bernard genuinely believes that like he wants to hang on to that because he's knocking on the door of the maze so to speak which is something we talked about before we started recording like, yeah like fools but he's really feeling and uh he's saying he loved her and, and then i like that he he doesn't insist that it's real, like I think most people and most hosts would do. He asks, he wants to know, like, is this real? And if, yeah. and what makes me different from you? Like that whole conversation and the whole idea that, like he says, pain is in the mind. And so, at what point is pain even real? What what point is anything real? Yeah. And this this almost made me pause the episode and just think about it for like ten minutes because it was such a it might be the most thought provoking statement of the entire series so mm-hmm. far. And I love that. Ford already kind of has an answer ready. This is clearly something he's thought he's, about yeah. for a long time. And it's a very interesting way to think about it. He just flat out says consciousness isn't real. We think we're special, but we're not, which I think is mortifying and interesting all in one. Like that's just such a, 
I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, but, and especially in a world where he where he's capable of creating beings like this that can clearly think on their own, think and yeah. reason on their own if they are permitted to. And I wonder to what extent Bernard is different from the other hosts. Yeah, how much? How much can he do on his own? And is for I guess one thing I'm concerned about, and this is something I said uh, to you beforehand, was that is Maeve going to be able to take control of Bernard? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think... I feel like Bernard is on another level in terms of as as what hosts... I guess that's the thing is we don't know what... We don't know how We don't know what admin privileges Maeve has. She might be like admin number five, but Bernard is admin number two and Ford is admin number one or something like that. Yeah, that's true. But or maybe she's got Arnold admin privileges, which are probably similar to Ford. I who knows or better you know? yeah. or higher. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting. The whole scene. I know there's a lot more to chew on that, I, and I I did a really poor job of organizing my thoughts on it. But that was the scene that I was carrying with me into today and thinking about throughout the day. Like a, like I said, well, and largely I think due to all the all the acting. You talked about what does Bernard have that other hosts don't. I think what we may find out if theories prove to be true is that he has. The consciousness of Arnold. Like Ford even says that is the very question that Bernard that Arnold yeah. was toiling over. And I think like you said, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, to me it almost makes me think it's like I wonder how many times Ford has gone through this with Bernard. Yeah. And, and like and you know, I I really love I've never I've actually never it's funny that I draw the reference because I've never seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind, but I know what it's about. And I know the main thrust and the, and kind of the 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 big theme and the, that idea of that if if you could erase your memory, purge your memory of somebody or an experience, would you? Yeah. Should you? And I think that Bernard is kind of almost feeling that in that moment. And it's it is very interesting how he he feels like a man facing his death, like like almost. Do you have any last words? Yeah. And that and and Bernard's about to wipe his memory, and he tells him, "Wait." And all, Ford, Ford's about to wipe. For, his yeah, memory. I'm sorry. Ford's about to wipe his memory, and I I like that he just wants to ask if he had hurt anybody else. Like he wants to know. That's um. That's that's almost the biggest thing yeah. in that instance, and I thought that was really nice. Yeah. And really sad because he probably has. Eternal Sunshine is one of my like top five breakup movies that I watch <laughs> whenever. <laughs> I get dumped or I dump somebody and it's always a wonder. It, it serves a very specific purpose for me and it's very good and you should watch it. Yeah. But. <laughs> so I've heard. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, Sizemore and Hale. I don't know if there's too much to talk about there. I think she's just using him like a cheap fiddle. Yeah. It's hilarious how he's, he is dumb enough to where she can <laughs> tell him he's using you and then use him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever he's using you but you should help me yeah because you have an i ego have a real i'm gonna stroke it i have a real big boy assignment for you <laughs> come with me yeah just dumb absolutely um i'm, I'm pretty played out on size more too yeah. initially in the first episode or two i was like that guy's interesting and he disappeared and i was cool with it and now he's back and i'm not cool with it like whatever give yeah. this screen time to somebody else yeah i heard uh somebody was theorizing that maybe sizemore's like disappearance from the show after a certain point and then kind of re-entrance was that they didn't really know what to do with him and that now they kind of brought him back in because they kind of found a purpose to him but maybe he is host now maybe who knows Ford's just been swapping people <laughs> Ford, out yeah nobody nobody's real anymore <laughs> that that was another good i think joanna robinson retweeted something earlier 
Yeah, Joanna Robinson uh, got an email from somebody that says, I have a question. How much of the Westworld HQ has to be robots for no one to notice Bernard? And then they have a little dialogue written here. It's Ford. Here's Bernard. He will be head here from now on. And then HR says, we need this information for records and taxes. Uh, And Ford says, no. (laughs) 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 It's like, yeah, there's uh, what? How? How did that? How did he just get in there? But I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, those mechanics of how Bernard <laughs> came to be in the park are, are mysterious Ford says at the no. moment. Yeah. Ford says no. And then the HR, the robot HR people just take his word and, and okay. walk away. But all right. I think that's about it for the Westworld HQ stuff. I, we should probably know. As you said, Tess Thompson, I think, does a, a very good job in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it, maybe it was just the way that stuff was last episode the way that stuff was <laughs> all right and then uh let's get to teddy and the man in black yeah our friend teddy zoolander uh mm-hmm. he and the man in black get closer to wyatt teddy starts to remember things a lot like dolores and Maeve have been remembering things especially in terms of the man in black dragging dolores off um and he decides to essentially knock out the man in black after they find angela the intake host um, there's a good line there where m- the man in black thinks uh, that they would have retired Angela by now. Mm-hmm. Another suggestion that he might be William or William might be him. Uh, Teddy starts interrogating the man in black and we get a lot of man in black backstory here. He talks about knowing how to change the rules of Westworld and he talks about how he's a god and a titan of industry and a philanthropist and a family man. He's got a daughter. His wife uh, killed herself last year after taking some pills because she couldn't deal with the darkness of the man that he is. Um, apparently his daughter said, if I stacked up all my good deeds, it was just an elegant wall I built to hide what, uh, I, what was inside from everyone and from myself. And then uh, the man in black came to Westworld to do his own test. He found Maeve with her daughter, killed them both. But then Maeve, he just stabbed Maeve and Maeve basically stops herself from dying to then slash his throat and then take her daughter and kind of grieve over it. Uh, Any thoughts from there? Ed Harris is very, very, very good. Yes, he is. We know this already. He's 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 done you know Fifty Shades of Menace this whole series thus far and yeah. now we finally get the one thing I didn't want humanizing the Man in Black a little bit and you know what I just didn't know that I wanted it <laughs> it was really good it was a great scene I, I guess humanizing him is kind of the wrong word he's not necessarily more sympathetic now we just kind of know a little bit more about him yeah. Which did have to happen eventually, and it's funny because it's one thing that's been pushed off for you know, eight episodes now, and I don't really mind that because he was a great sub-in for the Yule Brenner Man in Black gunslinger. And that was one thing I always thought, it's still one of my favorite things about the show, and that idea of taking the gunslinger and kind of turning it on its head. It was an unstoppable robot menace before, and now it's like an unstoppable human menace to the hosts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a such a clever way of turning that over and i really i do like now that it feels like there's more at stake for him yeah 
because before I think he could have died and I would have been really bummed out that we would have lost a, a really cool character, kind of a force of nature on the show. But now I think I'm more invest, a little more invested in his journey mm-hmm. because we knew he had a respect for Westworld and he loved it and he he really has a, a passion for the creations inside of it and the, the game, as it were, and what it does to you. And we got that echoed line of it reveals who you are, who yeah. you really are, which is what William said two episodes ago or something like yeah. that. So, you know, take that for what you will. <laughs> They're repeating the same lines. So. <laughs> They're also wearing the same shirt. I don't know if you've seen that. No. But they are wearing the exact same shirt and a few different. William's got, they've both got this, this like gray shirt that has like an open collar and these vertical lines in it. And you can see it's on both of them. He also but, has the same line to Lawrence that. William does yep. when they're parting ways or something yep. like that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels going on, <laughs> but the that scene was great. I just thought it was it was just phenomenal. Yeah, and and it's. I was listening to a few people talk about it last night. Uh, David Chen does a a Periscope on stream on it after he watches every episode, and he talks with one of his friends about it essentially. And they were both pretty disappointed in the man in black they were just kind of like he was this man built out of mystery and now that there's a lot less mystery to him they don't know how much they care about him anymore oh wow which i think is i think i fall more on your camp of like i think it i think listening to all of this my only issue with everything that has happened in this episode which is something that we talked about earlier i feel like the pacing went out the window in terms of answering questions as of this episode because they are in crunch time. They're like, we need, and may, maybe it was like, we got to get all this stuff out of the way. So episodes eight or nine and 10 are going to be supremely paced and everything that we want them to be and whatever. It feels like everything fell on episode eight to be like, here's a bunch of stuff that's going to be important. And now we have to wait and see what comes to pass. There's a lot of setup. There's yeah. there's a whole lot of setup. And uh, and it's not like we haven't had episodes with a whole lot of setup before. So it's kind of... That's the only thing that I don't like about it. But the Man in Black, I think, I think he still retains this kind of... Um, we don't have all the questions answered about him. I really want to know if this William thing comes to pass or if it doesn't. I want to know, like what does the man in black hope that he's going to find at the end of this journey? And yeah, I think, I think there's still plenty of mystery about him. Yeah. And, and the thing is we've heard, we've had eight episodes of heavily mysterious man in black. Yeah. We've watched him do a lot of badass stuff and we've watched him do a lot of nasty stuff and we've watched him flaunt his expertise in the world and show how, how much he knows before it happens. And, that I think could only go on for so long before it would become exhausting. Like, oh, there he goes again. Yep, that crazy man in black. Another jailbreak. Yeah, I think this is a good time to insert some more history into him. And we still don't know who he is. We still don't know a lot about about him. Yeah. So I don't. I think leveling too much of a criticism at it is a little. Yeah, it's yeah. nitpicking. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it was so it was so well delivered. Mm-hmm. And James Marsden does an awesome job acting opposite. Absolutely. He's a good listener. Yeah. That Marsden. <laughs> but even just kind of seeing Teddy take a little bit of power over the man in black in this episode. Yeah, I like I like up. watching Teddy get 
a little empowered and yeah. and starting to remember and the man in black observing that knowing saying, that yeah like oh you're you're remembering like yeah i'm here i'm some, i'm seeing some next level shit going on. <laughs> yeah he's pretty stoked about it something he doesn't know yet it's yep. pretty cool yeah um he reminds me of dr manhattan in watchmen when he towards the climb the end of the movie and if you've never seen or read watchmen read it don't see it and <laughs> I, I won't spoil anything, but there's the character Doctor Manhattan is pretty much omnipotent, and he gets he gets kind of misled, not misdirected towards the end of the movie, and he has a line to a character at one point where he says, "I, I forgot the excitement of not knowing." Yeah, and he he's the the thrill basically of of anticipation. Yeah, without without knowing exactly the outcome, and that that's kind of how the Man in Black reminded me of. Uh, in this episode absolutely he's, he's witnessing something something he extreme. hasn't seen in his 30 years of coming to this party right yeah. and in a way it probably harkens back to his experience with Maeve he's yep. like seeing something that he knows is, is special yeah so he remarks with Maeve that he didn't have a reaction to killing this woman and her child he he said that he f- he wanted to find the most deplorable thing he could do essentially and it didn't make him feeling feel anything right which is sad <laughs> <laughs> but but we we do it gets to this is where it starts cross-cutting back and forth between Maeve Maeve ends up slicing Clementine like she sliced the man in black right. in that in that memory essentially uh, and she's essentially she it seems like she's getting her band together to go and escape but then it starts getting foiled when um, QA notices that something's going wrong with her mm-hmm. um so do you think the man in black, obviously he's been coming to the park for 30 years. Do you think every time he came there, he was doing bad stuff? Because he talks about how his wife, he never showed them. Because Teddy says, did you hurt them? And he says, never. And yeah. He says that he kept himself well, he kept who he is in the park well hidden from them. So do you think he's been up to up to no good pretty much the whole time? Like in that he, after his wife died, he decided he wanted to do like the deepest, darkest thing he could think of in order to see if he could feel anything any sort of goodness because she basically his daughter accuses him of being a monster no i i would think that after she died because that's what he he says about mave that's when i glimpsed when i first glimpsed the maze mm-hmm. so him doing that deepest darkest thing with mave a year ago like the reason that he's been coming back now is to push more people to that limit i think yeah because he's realized that this is what Arnold wanted. This is what Arnold was talking about. Right. I guess I'm just, and it doesn't really matter ultimately. I'm just curious about his behavior for the last 30 or so, I so guess, guess 29 years. What do, we, what do years. we think he's been doing for the last 29 years? Yeah, I want to know if he's, if, he's, if he's been a seasoned, like, nasty killer, murderer, robber, raper type guy. Rapist, I guess would be the right word. Um, or I guess... Like I said, it doesn't really matter. But I'm curious if he is William. William's obviously a good dude. Yeah. He's a white hat. Why does he why what what what's the thematic reason to make him a black hat? Or why why would he do this transition? Or when, I guess. Like is it a, is it a just kind of a sliding transition and over the course of time he slowly just started getting darker? Or Some, or does something happen to him at the end? 
that flips his switch into just bad guy mode. And, so, some and so he's a good guy in the real world, and he's like the worst, scariest, nastiest dude ever in the West world. Some people are saying that he's... Our, we've seen William start that descent because when they're talking to the soldier who's right. been shot... Oh, clearly William wanted to kill him. Clearly William wanted to kill him or just get away, but like some people are saying that when Dolores goes to get the water and then comes back and he's dead, they're thinking that William killed him. You're right. But I, I don't know how much I believe that. I think that dude was on his way out regardless. But the my kind, the way that I've been trying to put these pieces together is that I think we're going to get to a point with William where Logan probably kills Dolores is my guess. And I think William is genuinely like in love with Dolores. Mm-hmm. And I think... We'll we'll maybe get to see a moment where William tries to, like Dolores dies. William hates Logan for it. Maybe we get to see the point where William comes back and Dolores doesn't remember him at all, and it just absolutely destroys him. And that's when he just decides to be like, "Well, if none of this matters, I want to find all the crazy shit that happens in this park." And that's why he keeps coming back. I don't know. I mean. In a way, kind of like Maeve, when she realizes that nothing matters, yes. she kind of goes off the deep end. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm so curious. I still f- <laughs> I still feel like it feels like if this if this holds holds to be true that William probably is the Man in Black, but I can't still sh- kind of shake the feeling that it could be Logan, and we're we're seeing kind of a red herring situation. Maybe, maybe, or it could be neither one. I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. At this point, I kind of hope that William isn't the man in black. Really? <laughs> yeah, because cause it feels so logically consistent right now to me that I want them to pull that rug out from underneath me. And, and they like, they very well might. Yeah. I think it would be very satisfying if William was the man in black. It would be a cool, it would be a nice rounded story. Yeah. And it would be something that we can grasp and digest and understand. And that would be nice if they gave that to us. Yeah. But I don't think that that's necessarily so much like them. Or maybe it yeah. was just something that they thought we would not see coming. And turns out that everybody kind of saw it coming. In the days of the Reddit hive mind. Right. Your your TV shows are more transparent than you think. Um, a few other notes about what happened here. Um, we get to see the moment where Maeve gets brought in after uh, after the traumatic event. And Ford basically tries to repurpose her. Uh, or, or get her calmed down. He plays Reverie by um, WC, I think it was. I can't remember, but it's all that's also also the piano theme that we've heard uh, played a few other times in the show. Particularly, I think when we're seeing Charlie in the hospital with mm. Bernard and other moments with Bernard okay. to kind of suggest that he's a host. Um, but he starts playing that, and that's apparently a trick that Arnold built in to calm down the hosts when they need to, if if they get out of hand or something like that. And um, basically, Ford tries to calm her down and erase her memory, but then she just ends up stabbing herself in the neck, uh, showing that she like she's been damaged beyond repair, essentially. I think, you know, like I, I guess I don't necessarily know exactly what that like if she has gotten to the maze, quote unquote, and that has unlocked her, her ability to be to feel the pain and emotion of a human. Like, does that mean that 
she can no longer be brought back to normal state or something like that and that's why she's able to to break out of the the, the her loop and and start to learn things about herself with Felix and Sylvester like I don't know I can't connect all the dots yet once again yeah I'm not sure either I think she's she's clearly kind of a special model or she's she's a unique she's she's one of the oldest apparently she is yeah because we saw her in the uh, in the flashback someone theorized that because Bernard is in the likeness of Arnold that it's when she sees him that it triggers something and she kills herself. Like upon looking upon Bernard, Ah, it's like a visual trigger. Uh, I don't know if that, I I doubt that's true. It could be, but it was just a very pointed look at him. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, to kill yourself, the extreme. If you're looking at Jeffrey Wright, I wouldn't. No, I don't want to talk to him. Absolutely. Uh, The, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting scene. I think, I, I want to go back and figure out exactly what it was that I think Maeve just she initially starts having flashbacks right and she she feels she's feeling the pain in her stomach of the she knife feels the pain again. of getting yeah yeah and then it slowly starts to to build into her remembering the, the containment suits and then she well she feels that pain but it's kind of I think we're led to believe that it's because they left a bullet in her when in reality it seems like it might be because of this thing with the man in black. Right, or at least which the pain good. of the bullet is triggering the memory. Yeah, which would be that'd be a that's an an oops. If someone yeah. had just done their job right and removed that <laughs> then bullet, she would have been fine. Then Op Mave wouldn't exist. <laughs> it is funny how how different talking about this now how differently Mave is as a character to me. Back when she first came to inside there and and ran around. Uh, well, seeing seeing uh. Tandy Newton portray Maeve as the Mariposa mistress or uh, madam against the little home on the prairie. Mm-hmm. There's such a different portrayal, not only in the way that she looks in the costuming and everything, but just the way that she emotes feels so different. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Which once again, you know, Tandy Newton, good job. Like that's, Slay MVP here, OP MVP, Slay Girl, MLG 2016. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, one thing that I did want to know, and I there's one one last scene for us to go over. But I did I did realize something earlier was that she gets called Mave in that flashback, the 35 years ago. She's called Mave, and Dolores is still Dolores, but Peter Abernathy. Has like it, it, I I was thinking about like when when they get to the point where all of these hosts are self aware how are they going to to denote each other uniquely in terms of like if you were to say Peter Abernathy maybe four different hosts would run up to you so what what would be the what is going to be their unique identifier which I think I think is an interesting thought but it also led me to the like why. Why would when Peter Abernathy's role changed or when Lewis Hertham's character's role changed, why didn't like he became Peter Abernathy? But Dolores has always been Dolores for all that we know. Maeve has been Maeve from the beginning up to now. Which seems weird to me. There's like a disconnect there of like Do they Maybe. have do they have like a set of do they do they have like tiers of of hosts of like these are tier one hosts that Dolores and 
and uh, and and Maeve and those people are very important people who will retain their names. But then there's like I think that it's probably yeah a case of uh, characters. There's the woodcutter. The woodcutter. It's like being being a smiling guy number two in the credits, as yeah. opposed to being Dolores Abernathy. Right. I think that it's probably a matter to do with how directly they will interact with hosts. Yeah. So that a host who was there 10 years ago can say, hey, look for Dolores when you're there. Okay. Or look for Teddy or look for Maeve. And uh, he says Maeve was only recently reassigned like a year ago. She may have been Little House on the Prairie Maeve for like 10 years prior, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It is interesting. Maybe some some models are just special. You know, I mean, there, yeah. there there might be that last little bit of human element there where Ford looks upon one of his creations and says, like, this one is special. This one gets to be so-and-so. It could, it, it could even be just the Arnold factor of, like, maybe these are the ones that Arnold's made, whereas Ford, who wants to tell stories with these guys, lets them shift in and out of roles and things like that. I don't know. Yeah, it also kind of segues into the a question that has bothered me for a while now, especially since we found out that Ford kind of hates Dolores, yeah. Why? Why is she still? Why is she still there? Yeah. Well, and one one of Joanna Robinson's theories is that she thinks that Ford put her on the loop of being continually having all of her people dying and then getting raped, essentially as punishment for doing something in the past. Potentially, I suppose. And I guess it Ford doesn't see them as a threat the way we do. He doesn't know what we know, so he would have no reason to suspect. That, that but I mean, clearly, or something. Yeah. but the, the the thing with the scene with Maeve is really interesting because he clearly she like she can act out against their will. She can override her programming. That should have been the moment. That should have that, been the, when he said, "Whoa, all right." But maybe this is his Felix moment, and he's like, "Eh, we can fix it." Yeah, she's not, no machine's gonna get the best of me. <laughs> I don't know. I just think you would think surrounded by all the other people who would see the situation, they go, "Okay, we need to decommission her because something's gone wrong." Yeah, or maybe they think they. Well, can I think study everybody her. else is probably so like the world is on fire whenever one of these things goes haywire. But Bernard and and Ford seem to be the ones that are like, "No, this is programming. We can fix this." And everyone just listens to them. Yeah. It kind of defers to... Well, they listen to them in some cases, but obviously Colin was the one who was like, no, we need to decommission these guys because they're not... That's true. ...operating. And we saw what happened to her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the final scene, uh, we get the man in black beckoning Teddy to head to the maze. They talk about how... Uh, or or at least the man... Like, Teddy Teddy asks the man, the man in black, what, is, what, do you, what do you care about this maze? The man in black says it's Ford. Uh, in Ford's game, nobody can hurt them, even at the edges of the park. But Arnold's game is going to cut deep. And that is the maze, quote unquote. Um, and just to get through the rest of this real quick, Angela, the intake host, stabs Teddy with an arrow. We find out that she's working with Wyatt. All the Wyatt's men come out and the man in black is screwed, kind of. We'll see what's going to happen to him. But. That seemed really obvious to me that she was she was left behind it intentionally. It didn't really strike me that way, but I wasn't like surprised by it. <laughs> like when she was still there and she was fine, I was like, no, they would have taken her. Yeah. For sure. Yep. But yeah, I was like, this seems like maybe just a Western trope again. Yeah. Kind of thing that she's like the honeypot left behind. Plant. Yep. Um, But before we recorded, we were talking, or when we started recording, we were talking about the maze. You, you were intimating that you think the maze is not a physical place you feel like it's confirmed that the maze is not a physical place but more like a state of mind for the hosts i don't think 
I don't think that's confirmed necessarily, but a lot of people online seem to think so. Okay. And I think that's a really interesting theory and it would tie, it would make sense why the little girl in the town told the man in black that the maze is not meant for him yep. because he's a human. Mm-hmm. He can't experience the maze and that the maze, the maze is like a state of being that the hosts can under enough duress or enough pain cross into and it, it, it's it's like the line that divides host and human yeah and that they can stand on the line and kind of be both and i think that's a really interesting idea and there was the scene when when uh bernard is looking at the the tablet with with uh with mave's diagnostics on it and it says the heavy fragmentation of her memory and the little image is basically the maze that we've been seeing. it looks yeah it looks like a maze you know right and coupled with what the man in black says about what he saw in Maeve at that moment when her daughter had been killed and she refused to die, like mm-hmm. he said, and he, he saw something in her that was more than host. It was, it was real emotion. It wasn't programming. Yeah. Seems to kind of, to me, now that I kind of read that, it seems almost like the man in black may have already seen the maze and he just doesn't know it. Or he, he kind of says that, like he got it, he got his first glimpse. His first glimpse of the maze of with the maze. Maeve, yeah. And so I think he seems to think that... I think he might know that Dolores is heading to Escalante, or Escalanta, what's it called? Escalante. Escalante. Well, and we do, like, we do not know what he did in the barn with Dolores. Mm-hmm. And and we get the flashes of him talking about being able to rewrite the rules of the world with him dragging her along into the or or at least that's kind of how it was played maybe in the la- in the next time on from last episode. But it seems to me like it's possible that he set Dolores on this path by giving her that traumatic moment. Yeah, maybe. Like he stabbed her in the gut or what I you know, whatever he did in that because he pulls out his knife. And Ford even looks at the knife. That knife means something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The knife. The knife has. The knife's been around. I yeah. Think. And the Man in Black seems to have some knowledge that Dolores is kind of important to this whole idea of the maze, and yeah. whether he set her on the path to the maze, and maybe maybe he knows Teddy factors into it. I don't know because they stumble upon Teddy, and he didn't count on that, but he immediately traded Lawrence for Teddy. Yeah. He's like, oh no, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're the one. Yep, I'm swapping. <laughs> yeah, and he definitely knows. He knows something that we don't know that he that he knows yet. Yeah, like there there is still some mystery to the man in black because he seems to he seems to be just about where he wants to be, barring the exception of Wyatt's men getting the drop on them. He seems a little surprised and concerned by that. Yeah, because the Wyatt stuff is new to him the white stuff is new yeah and he even says you guys are both caught up in the same new narrative yeah and he's like he thinks it's amusing yeah i don't know <laughs> i feel like we have all the puzzle piece pieces we just can't we're put just it. putting it together upside down <laughs> and we don't know it. yeah exactly we don't have the box to show us what it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to look like yeah and it's a and it's a ten thousand piece 3d puzzle of, <laughs> of a of a jackson pollock painting yeah <laughs> yeah to bring it back to that harris too yeah um <laughs> anyway we love you, Ed. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's if you're listening. There's there's yeah. Please write in. Ed Harris. <laughs> Ed Harris at gmail.com. Yeah. We should try it. It might. It might be. <laughs> I'm gonna try Michael Wincott at gmail.com because it might be him. Where's old Bill, by the way? Yeah. Um 
No, there, there's something there, and I, I just can't, I can't enunciate what it is right now. And I'm sure on the drive back home, I'm gonna go up oh, there. Yep, it is. Yeah, and, we're and, we're both gonna think about it for an extra hour, and then we'll and text like, oh. each other, and we'll just have to screenshot the text and tweet it <laughs> so that people can read along. Yeah. No, there's something there. There's something he, he. I think he's less of a passenger than than we might think he is. I think he's he set some events in motion, and he's waiting for the rest of the dominoes to fall down. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. No. That could totally, yeah. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. So I don't think Teddy's dead, by the way. No, 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 no. Okay. No. Everyone's be like, oh, Teddy, like stabbed got, in the Teddy got killed again. And I'm like, no, Teddy's, no. Teddy's super Teddy now. Yeah. yeah. He's Teddy Roosevelt now. We've He's seen Teddy He's die. He's coming back. Yeah. We we have, have, spectacularly. We know when. They don't shy away from when Teddy dies no. on the show. I think it was, uh, it was either, it may have been like a, there may have been a, a barbiturate or something in the end of that yeah. era to kind of drug him out. Yep. Or... Yeah, because yeah. Ted, Teddy's in he's in fight mode right now. Yeah, if that arrow had just he probably would have punched her right in the face and then put the man in black on his shoulder and ran out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, he's got that Zoolander conditioning now. Like Ford, <laughs> Ford talked to him and he's just he's gonna he's gonna blitz on past Gary Shandling and Fred Durst and Lance Bass and, yep. and get to the goal line. It's gonna assassinate the dude from Micronesia. Yep. No. Uh, so we did get one last email from Nancy here. She said, hi guys, love this episode. Few highlights I enjoyed. Ford telling Bernard he thinks humans live in repeating loops in their own lives. Very interesting. Very true in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the ba- All the background info from the man in black, this idea that he did the worst thing he could to test if he can still feel and learning that he can't. Absolutely. And then best of all, Maeve, her experience that there are some tragedies we live through that will fundamentally change us to our core, but for her, the literal core programming was altered or imprinted with this horrific tragedy. No matter how many times Ford plays his music and lulls his host to a state where he can do a hard reset, some programs or experiences are never erased, Uh, will never be erased. Like humans, we can bury certain painful memories as best we can, but who knows if or when they will come bubbling up to the surface. I love the show, Nancy. Thank you for writing in. Thanks, Nancy. Absolutely. Good to hear from you. We agree with you. Yes. 100%. So, yeah. We're getting to the to the end times here. Two more episodes left. Uh, we'll probably do a season wrap-up show and uh, and patiently wait for, not or not patiently wait for 2018 to come for more, more Westworld. Oh, God. Yeah, God. Hopefully. It hopefully at least that soon yeah. <laughs> like 2020 westworld season two they gotta go and print the out fifth all anniversary hosts. of season one <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah once again you can find more episodes of our podcast on westworld.fm we're also on itunes stitcher radio and google play music uh we're westworld fm on twitter and you can email westworld fm at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our show and share your thoughts on hbo's westworld so you can read them on our show Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. Uh, the Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Please check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Um, everybody here, if you're listening, please do us a favor. Go give us a review and rating in iTunes. Uh, the more that you do that, the more people will see our show, the more popular we'll become, and the more likely we will be to continue the, uh, the show that we're doing. And you like us. So tell us that you like us, and uh, and we will be happy, and you'll probably make me cry. Maybe. We'll see. Try to make me cry. That's your mission. Make me feel something so crazy that I see the maze. Send Alex to the maze. Yes. 
Hashtag send Alex to the maze. Put it out on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's it for this uh, episode. We're excited for next episode, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber. It's probably ed.harris at gmail.com. <laughs> Ed Harris 69. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ed, it's, it's totally Ed Harris 420 <laughs> at Yahoo. Ed.Harris420 with like the little X and the big X on either side. Yes. At Earthlink.net. Tripod. (laughs) You should leave all this in.